sacred rituals, and a cosmic community to enchant your mystical life. This podcast feels like soulful conversations by the fire and under the desert stars, as if you are hanging with your best friends, talking about purpose, the cosmos, and the divine journey we are all on. My name is Anna Alic, and this is the Topanga Moon Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Moon Tribe. Um, this is so cool. This is episode two. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for listening. If you listened to our first episode, thank you. I'm so grateful. It was just such a cool experience to release the podcast and and even like hear what people thought about it. I got so many beautiful messages about how it resonated with them and I couldn't be happier about that. It it really truly like lights me up and that's why, you know, a lot of that is why I created Topanga Moon to foster this community and why I decided to, you know, create this podcast and expand this journey. So thank you. I'm so happy and so grateful. So I've been um, traveling a lot. I'm back in Toronto. I'm back in the city. But I haven't really been here all summer. And you know what's really funny? I, at the beginning, I mean, on New Year's, I wrote out, I usually write out my intention list. Um, The one thing I do remember, because I don't remember (laughs) the rest of the things that I said I wanted to manifest. Maybe I should go back and look at that. But the one thing that I wrote was that, um, very ambitiously, may I add, that I want to travel somewhere new every single month. <laughs> and Okay, so I didn't do it every month, but I mean, I think I maybe missed two months so far, so that's pretty good. I went on this incredible two-week road trip through the American Southwest, and if you didn't listen to the first episode, I really, that's most of what we talk about it's a really cool cosmic trippy journey and yeah if you want to hear that go check out that episode it was amazing that that road trip was just you know um it was just like a life-changing moment and so was my I mean I say that all the time but so was my recent trip to Croatia I was there for a month I have um I mean I go I go a lot to Croatia. I've my whole family's from there and my parents built a house there. I'm super super lucky and it's such a beautiful country. But this time like I went for a full month um which was really sparked by doing a reunion with my best friend and that was such a special week for us um because we hadn't been back together in like 13 years. So that was amazing. But then I just decided to stay for another three weeks, just to stay for a full month. And it was really like divine timing that brought me there, alignment. I was really meant to, to have that journey then, and it was a huge time of like healing for me. And I will be talking about that journey in a future episode. I will have some solo episodes. And so I won't get into it fully here, but 
yeah, it was a pivotal moment for me, and I'm already seeing the effects of it. So I'm just beyond grateful for that experience. Oh yeah, so last week we had the new moon in Leo, and I hosted a really beautiful Topanga moon moon party. Um, if you don't know what a moon party is, it's kind of what Topanga moon was born out of. I've been hosting them now for about three years, I would say, and I started kind of by accident and um, with my friends and just out of my house, and then I really felt called at the end of last year to turn it into something bigger and expand it into a brand and a company and really be able to do more with the moon ritual parties. And I'm so happy that I I did that. It's been such a cool journey. So yeah, we hosted this uh, beautiful moon party at the farmer's market and it was like it was like one of the most special ones we've ever done. I don't know why. I just, yeah, it was, it was like, there were so many cool things that happened. I can't even get into it because it's almost like you have to just be there and like experience it. But yeah, I'm so happy about that. Um, so yeah, if you ever want to check out the moon party, uh, we host them in Toronto, but I will be expanding and and traveling with the moon parties. So if you want me to come to a city, just email me. I mean, I'm always interested in traveling and I I am planning some retreats and I do have this like um this kind of special evening that I'm that's in the works right now and I won't really talk about it until all the details are kind of set out, but I'll let you know on the website. Um, So yeah, just come to a moon party. It's really beautiful, beautiful night of intention setting. So today I have my just stunning, amazing, beautiful friend, Annetta. She is just so brilliant and just the best heart. I just love her so much. She's my Euro soul sister. We're both Eastern European. (laughs) And she's also so stunning, um, which you won't be able to, I mean, I'll post photos of her, but she's a babe. Okay. I'm, I'm just so excited to have her here today. She, we're talking about spirituality and sustainability, the combination of both. And we really get into this just like poignant conversation about the the plant-based movement, uh, sustainability, uh, what's happening with our planet, um, really a lot of the truths. And she has so much knowledge in this area. Um, we get into like uh, the food and, and health and wellness and how food is medicine and her whole journey with that and what sparked everything for her. Um, it's just a really rad episode and I'm I'm just so... I'm just so proud to like have her as my friend and to be around her all the time. She's such an inspiration. She's, I would say she's like such a trailblazer in this movement. Um, And just by virtue of like being, she's so passionate and she knows so much about this world that she's created kind of a community around her. And she just has this really elegant and inviting, um, an amazing way of bringing people into the conversation and sharing 
everything that she knows about being kind to yourself, being kind to the planet, um, and still having, enjoying life, you know? So we get into all kinds of things. I learned so much. Uh, we also get into, you know, the fashion industry, which is a huge passion for her as she creates her label. Um, uh, yeah, so you're going to learn so much. I'm so excited. Uh, so, like, let's just get into it. Um, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. We had a little technical difficulties, but we are... Ready to go. Yes, finish that text message. <laughs> Love it. Um, welcome to the Topanga Moon podcast. This is episode two. I'm so excited because today I have on the podcast one of my favorite people, one third of the Soup Sisters, <laughs> my amazing, beautiful friend, Anetta Sofranova who you may know as Ruby Sun. <laughs> she is oh, a very multi-talented woman, incredible uh, vegan chef, a sustainability activist. She works um, in fashion, creating a beautiful fashion label soon to be, and has these amazing cutlery kits that are very popular at the moment. <laughs> So I'm so excited to have her here. Anetta, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh, this is so exciting. So today we're going to talk about um, two of my favorite topics, sustainability and spirituality. <laughs> There's so many things to dive into. And I just feel like, you know, it's going to be like a regular day when we're hanging out on your couch. Yeah. You late know, at night in just the dark. late at night, we just hang out. <laughs> the lights off. Lights off. Um, usually, okay, let's be real. Usually we're like stalking boys or something. Gave <laughs> <laughs> it away. But we get into it. We get into the, the real topics. We're usually making some food and talking about um, our human design yes. and our, our natal, natal charts. charts. And I mean, those are two things that. Uh, really play into our time here on this planet. And the more that I'm learning about even natal charts and things like the North Node and South Node, which we just figured out. Cool. Thanks to Taylor. Yeah, thank you, Taylor, for, <laughs> for educating us. Um, then we start to find out more about our place in and on this, you know, on this planet in this time, yeah. our consciousness, our spirituality. Um, yeah, what's your human design? I'm a projector with a splenic authority. So what that means is I'm a non-energy being. And um, <laughs> it's like a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. uh, we Projectors are only supposed to work maximum three hours a day for full output. Mm -hmm. And we are supposed to rest a lot. We're here to guide people. Um that doesn't mean we, we can only guide people and let them become successful. I think it's uh, learning like how to be smart in how to guide other people, but you can still run your own business. It's just knowing where to give some of the quote-unquote power away mm -hmm. um, and let more energy beings like yourself, generators, manifesting. Yes, I'm generators. a generator. <laughs> so it's great for our friendship because yeah. we're all different types. Um, but yeah, because you don't 
create your own energy. So mm-hmm. you have to be surrounded by people. Um, and almost like, I guess delegating is a way to describe yeah, it. Yeah. It's like we, we can lead mm-hmm. and uh, generators kind of put that life force, chi energy into mm-hmm. the collective. And every every design works beautifully together. So it's really wonderful if you can build a community with every type of human design because they're all so complementary and they work beautifully together. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people in our community have kind of sought to you as an example, as, you know, almost a mentor in the sustainability world, uh, in the vegan food movement, in um, that whole landscape, because you just have this beautiful way of expressing ideas, bringing people along for it all, making it digestible, making it easy to attain, sharing your lifestyle in such a beautiful way and how it's Mm -hmm. impacted the way that you live. And it really gets people kind of jazzed on these topics. So I want to know, um, I want to hear about your background, kind of where this all came from, uh, how you landed in this like sustainable path. And do you think that came before your spirituality or vice versa? Definitely came before spirituality. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a bit of a long story, but in short, um, we're in for long stories. <laughs> <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> I'm trying to think of just going really far back. Like I grew up with two older brothers and we played outside a lot and, you know, we'd be up outside at sunrise and home at sunset or even later. And we've just lived outside and we were very outdoorsy children. My brothers and I would like go find weird bugs and critters and just like play in the forest. And we're very much in, immersed in nature and I think I was in, I might have, I think it was like grade four. I hosted, my best friend at the time and I hosted a creek cleanup day. <laughs> of course. You did. So I think that's when it all started. <laughs> the creek was trashed and we decided to host a little cleanup with our community and we had a bunch of people come out and we had a barbecue and everything. Um, and yeah, I just, I always had an interest in animals um, from a very young age and grew up with a lot of weird critters like snakes and tarantulas in the house. My brothers had a lot of weird pets and um, I don't know, it just always had like a really big heart for any type of animal, even spiders. <laughs> and um Uh, Well, the first year I moved out of my parents' house and went to university, my other best friend, Adam, and I, we moved out together and we, we tried our hand at cooking meat and we were both just so turned off by it. And that's when we decided to go vegetarian together. Mm -hmm. Um, That was kind of the first time. I think it was just being exposed to the reality of what meat means Mm -hmm. was just such a turnoff and mm-hmm. I don't know it was just kind of already in me mm-hmm. in a way did anything at that time spark you to look deeper into uh, where we get our food and where we get our meat and all that kind of stuff because for me it was it was a book a book called the hundred year lie and all the synthetic mm-hmm. chemicals that we put into our body on a daily mm-hmm. basis and that kind of sparked mm-hmm. the questions you know yeah so I'm wondering if there's something that you can remember that was really a pivotal moment or was it just the natural progression of something in you felt like, Oh, this doesn't feel right. And maybe there's some sort of, um, I don't know, intuitive 
intuitiveness about it? Um, I don't know if it was intuitive, but it was definitely innate. Like, mm. uh, I remember, I think the pivotal moment was coming across a PETA video. Mm. And I still remember it to this day very clearly. And I don't have a really great memory to begin with. Yeah. But that's something that I that I definitely could never get out of my mind. Um, and that was that was one of the first things that really put me... I guess where I'm at today, there was, I do have to say, like I, I did go back to eating meat after that first year. Um, but I wasn't really preparing it myself. And I don't, I think the first year that I tried it, I just wasn't educated enough on the diet and I didn't really know enough about, I don't know. I wasn't really cooking yet. I didn't have that interest yet. Um, and that came a few years later when, I mean, wanting to cook for myself and like really enjoying it was when I moved out and lived by myself for the very first time. Um, but it wasn't until several years later that it really, everything shifted when I saw uh, Forks Over Knives and Food Matters, those first two. Selfishly, those pushed me because they're all about personal health and mm. I just wanted to be as healthy as I possibly could be. Um, and then everything else is just a snowball effect after yeah. it's just like the, the environment and the well-being of animals and other humans that are involved in the animal agricultural industry. And I don't know, it's just, it's connected to so many things that are hard to not care about. Yeah. So when you're talking about the, um, your journey for well-being and wanting to be as healthy as possible. Was there something that you were uh, experiencing at the time that you wanted to go down this route of cooking for yourself? And I really believe food is medicine and, and we can use it as like a vehicle to heal our bodies. But there's also the spiritual side of that, you know, mm -hmm. like food is one part of it. Our mind and our soul are another part of it. So was there something that was a kind of catalyst for you in that and wanting to make your body healthy or yeah. So in the beginning, when I first discovered like a vegan lifestyle and started to understand it and, and learn about it, I was, I was already healthy. I was already mm -hmm. good as is. And that wasn't the actual catalyst. I was just interested for longevity. Right. Um, but a few years into it, I had a series of unfortunate events <laughs> happen to me, like just traveling and picking up a really bad bug and having to take a really uh, strong antibiotic, which mm. destroyed my gut. Um, and then in along with that, around the same time, I went off birth control and I was on it for a really long time, not mm. recommended. There are so many alternatives. If I could turn back time, I would. That's one of the biggest things I would have changed is not to be on that yeah. that uh, medication. I guess I wouldn't really call it that. But yeah. It really, really changed my my microbiome, my gut flora. Everything changed. My digestion completely went to shit. And but it also goes hand in hand with taking the antibiotics. It was like mm -hmm. two bad things that happened. And then on the spiritual side or the emotional side, my parents also divorced. Mm. And just those three things created the perfect storm. And my health just completely changed. My skin changed. I'm still 
working through um, like adult acne all of a sudden, like worst skin ever. (laughs) Um, And just like not being able to eat a lot of foods just became intolerant to so many foods and became really sensitive to all those Mm -hmm. foods. And this is actually where spirituality came into my life because Um, I felt so helpless in so many ways. And there's only so much that we can do in the physical world. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like the the last missing piece was having something spiritual to like Mm -hmm. really ground everything else that I was putting into practice. And it all just goes hand in hand. It's so holistic. Yeah. I really believe that when we start to experience something in our physical bodies, it is a sign telling us that there's yes. something wrong in our mental bodies yeah. or our spiritual bodies, mm-hmm. you know, or that combination. And it really is an opportunity. Like now I see things that I've gone through is like that, that was a blessing for me yeah. because it so woke true. me up to something so much greater that I was ignoring mm-hmm. or it prevented me from doing things. Oh, that I shouldn't be doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about myself personally, but um, it's so interesting. Uh, Have you looked at, you know, you've been, you talked about battling with adult acne and I used to have acne. So I know the like traumas and the, the real shame that goes into Mm -hmm. um, that immediate thing where you feel like everyone's looking at you and you don't want to be seen. You know, you just, you want to go in hiding and, uh, I don't know. I I went to, I didn't go to like a very dark place, but there were dark days where I just Mm -hmm. didn't want to be social. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to like go to work. I just didn't want to be seen. And I know, I know for a fact that it's not as bad as how I see it. It's, it's kind of like a type of dysmorphia. Mm -hmm where you really think you see yourself this certain way and that everyone sees it the same. I know it's not true, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to overcome that thought and that feeling and to look in the mirror every day yeah. and like feel okay about it. Mm-hmm. And that lowers your vibration and it lowers yeah. your self-worth and it makes you less magnetic. And there's so much mm-hmm. tied into that. Which is the irony because <laughs> you want to be elevating your self-worth and your magnetism in order to heal from the thing exactly. that you're going through. So it's like, so. it's like you're not tricking your brain, but like having to believe that healing has already taken place. Convincing, not yeah. tricking. Yeah. Convincing. You have to yeah. convince yourself, your subconscious. Yeah. Um, have you figured out in your own kind of way why you think this has shown up at this point in your life? like what the ties are for you personally? Well, I could say a lot about that, but I, uh, the one thing I really have come to realize is that, you know, you know, I've been asking instead of saying like, why is this happening to Mm -hmm. me? Switching that thought to why is this happening for me? And when I ask why this is happening for me, like why is the universe giving me this lesson? Mm -hmm. I realize if I go back far enough, I wouldn't have cared about health, like a healthy plant-based diet. Mm, And it, it got me to the point where I became obsessed in a positive way. I, I still like, I have a healthy relationship with food. I, I'd say that I'm pretty balanced. I'm not all or nothing like crazy into crazy diets or anything. I love to experiment, but I'm very open and I'm always questioning my own choices. Mm -hmm. But, um, what I'm trying to say is like, if I, didn't have these struggles, I wouldn't have cared so much about the like 
the intricacies of a, of a whole foods plant-based mm. diet. I don't think I'd be as passionate about it. Um, I wouldn't have gotten into cooking the way that I do. I just love food and I love making my own food. And a lot of it came from the fact that I can't go out and buy the stuff that I want to eat. Yeah. And, um, even that has just been like a really beautiful creative outlet for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love cooking. It's a form of meditation for me. I know some people stress about it, but for me, it's just like such a joy. Yeah. And it's, it's and you love cooking for other people. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> which maybe that's the Libra in me, but I love it. I just love yeah. hosting and feeding people. Nothing yeah. makes me happier. <laughs> but that's so true for you to talk about how that was the initiation for you to dive deeper into Mm -hmm. the, um, the beauty of plants, Mm -hmm. plant medicine, herbalism, what goes into your food, the ritual of creating food, you know, like really setting time for yourself to make a beautiful meal. And that energy goes into the food that you're making. Mm -hmm. Like there's no way that it doesn't, you know, and that's transforming your life. And then also has this like beautiful ripple effect because you're sharing the meals that you're making with your friends or on social media. And then all of a sudden it starts to become this conversation piece where people want to know about these like whole beautiful foods that you're eating. So on that note, what are some of the things that have really transformed your health in terms of food, in terms of like the, you know, your, your go-tos, what is something that maybe someone has you know, struggling with their diet or their health right now could go to as a way to start to nourish their body in a good way? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I think the biggest lesson in all of my <laughs> explorations was um, just go back to the basics. Just mm-hmm. go to like really simple, basic food. Don't overcomplicate the ingredients. Um, if you're if your digestion is really upset, I'd say try to use as few ingredients as possible and even try some mono meals where you're just eating one, say one fruit or one vegetable per meal and just a lot of it so that you're satiated. Um, and then I'd say the things that have been the most um, beneficial for me was doing an elimination diet that really helped. Uh, it was so wild. I, I've I had no idea, but beans and legumes, you'd think I'd figure this out sooner. But a few years ago, I figured out that they were really causing most of my digestive upset. And uh, once I did an elimination diet, I, I realized this and I took them out and it changed everything. And I, I, uh, I noticed that like another thing was like whole grain foods. I know there's this whole thing about how healthy they are, but if you have a sensitive digestive system, it can actually irritate it and make it work harder, which I found for myself. It might not be for everyone. Everyone is so different and our problems are so different. Our gut flora is completely different. Every single human being on this planet. Um, But I found personally that I just went back to white organic sourdough bread felt so much better than just a regular whole wheat, which I thought for a long time was much healthier. And when I eat rice, I'll just eat small amounts of white rice versus brown rice because it's less work yeah. for my digestion to break, like break it down. Um, and then I got to plug medical medium because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plug my it. life. 
<laughs> the celery juice hype is real. Um, I gotta say, it's. I tried so many things. I spent so much money on supplements and protocols and everything you name it, naturopaths, everything, but nothing made such a big difference as just juicing straight up celery juice on an empty stomach every morning. Um, I was in a really good routine where I was drinking lemon water and then uh, 16 ounces of celery juice and then waiting, I don't know, 30 minutes or so and then having my uh, metal detox smoothie, which is all from uh, Anthony William, the medical medium. Um, just have an open heart with that. If you uh, if you read his books or listen to his podcasts, um, I always have like a very open mind when I'm exploring health because you just never know. Uh, and I'm glad I did with him. And it that man, it's been I don't know five six years of trying to figure this out. And it was something as simple as celery juice, something mm-hmm. so pure and simple as celery juice that made the biggest impact. And that's the whole thing about going back to the basics, as you said, yes. and going as simple as possible. Um, I'm a big believer in that too. And I also think it plays into what we're talking about with spirituality mm-hmm. and, and sustainability. And fashion. Yes. <laughs> so like how does our intuition guide our food choices? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're really listening to your body, what is it telling you that it wants to eat? Yeah. You know, it could be just as simple as that. And that's, yeah. and we're all different. Exactly. And then, yeah, talking about, um, well, I do want to get into fashion because I think it's all interconnected. Yeah. Once you so dive into, you know, uh, let's say a vegan diet or plant-based, whatever you want to call it, yeah. and dive into more topics of spirituality, it's like you can't stop there. there yeah. It's like now everything in your life you look at through the lens of like, how am I going to be the healthiest for the planet, mm-hmm. for myself, mm-hmm. for other people? Yeah. How can this be the most sustainable world, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do want to dive into fashion, and we will right right after this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to take a little pause for the moment. <laughs> All right. So getting back into the topic of sustainability and spirituality, we can't – dive into the fashion industry as it is a huge uh, source of pollution in our world. And not only that, the ethics behind so much of its creation, uh, the waste, there's just like so many facets of how uh, the fashion industry is really affecting us on a spiritual level, Mm -hmm. a human level, yeah, human rights issues level. Um, So I want to hear your opinions in that landscape because you know we both love the fashion industry mm-hmm. and it's definitely your true calling for you so I want to hear about uh, everything that you you know about it and let's just dive deep let's go let's let's give people the facts the real okay. the real deal I'm gonna do a little a little background story actually um, so I went to I went to university and I have a bachelor in fashion design and right out of school, I worked for, um, a couple huge brands. Like they're very well known here in Canada. And the second one that I worked at, um, while I was there, I was a product developer and it was during the Rana Plaza collapse. Mm. And, Mm. Our company, we were having our pants made there at the time. Oh, 
Um, and I remember, I remember the day we received the email, like a company wide email. And I was like in tears at my desk that day. It was just such an unsettling, awful, disgusting feeling to know that I was somehow part of that, even though it was really not in my hands, obviously, but I was still contributing because I was part of that company. And I mean, we created fast fashion and that's, that's what our jobs were. And, um, I mean, there aren't very many sustainable brands here to begin with, um, let alone having, uh, just access to sustainable brands and even have enough money to hire, um, employees, you know, to design Mm -hmm. and the brands are very small, but, uh, that really put a lot of things into perspective for me. Um, and kind of why I, it's one of the reasons why I stepped back from the industry for a bit. Um, it just really didn't feel aligned and, you know, I was vegan at the time and I really already was thinking about ethics in general. Um, and it made me realize that my moral ethics weren't consistent. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm caring about all these animals, but what about the people that are affected directly by making clothes in poor working conditions and nobody here's doing anything about it? And, you know, a lot of those workers were women and a lot of children lost their mothers that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, just left a really bad taste in my mouth and I started to care more about health and was focused more on that. And for a while I went down that rabbit hole and kind of ran away from the fashion industry, but it, it all came back full circle. Um, once I really got into sustainability and trying to be, um, more consistent in my morals, everything came full circle. And I was like, wait, no, like, I can make a difference. I know I'm just one person, but I I have some really great ideas. And I think even if just one brand here in Toronto does what I plan to do, I think it'll still make an impact or just at least bring awareness. But um, for facts, okay, I'm going to bring it back to facts. So the the way that I I like to um, frame it is I like people to visualize what, what it takes to just make a cotton t-shirt. So, um, you think about the farmer that has to plant the cotton seeds, um, or farmers or workers, plural, because it's on a mass scale. Um, all the water, all the resources basically that have to go into growing that plant and cotton is a very water intensive plant. Mm -hmm. It's susceptible to pests. So it's, it almost always is sprayed with pesticide. And then, um, it's just a very sensitive plant and it takes a lot of resources to, to grow this plant. And then uh, think about the harvest and the picking, all the people that go into that. And then it goes to a processing plant that will definitely go through some sort of chemical process to turn it into a yarn. So that fiber has to be spun into a yarn. And then those yarns are uh, sent to a mill that will knit the fabric or weave the fabric from those yarns. 
people don't think about how much yeah. work goes into just something as simple as a t-shirt. I mean, that's all, that's just like getting to the yarn part and there's already been so many steps involved. Exactly. That's, and I didn't even mention the dyeing part. This is where a lot of the pollution comes from in the fashion industry is are the chemicals that are processing the fabrics and dyeing the fabrics and treating the fabrics. Those are all very chemical heavy processes. And, um, yeah, then it has to, it's been dyed, it's been uh, woven up or knit up. Then it has to go and be cut and sewn and packed and shipped. Think of how many hands one t-shirt goes through from start to finish. That is a lot of people. So when you see a t-shirt on a rack for $10, how can you possibly think that everyone that touched that t-shirt is receiving a living wage? Yeah. It's just not fair. And every time you buy something like that, I'm not trying to guilt people. I just want perspective. Mm -hmm. Every time you buy something like that, you have to think about what you're voting for because Mm -hmm. your dollar is your vote. I don't care if you go to the voting poll or not, where you put your money makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. And if you're buying cheap t-shirts, that's what you're voting for in this world. Yeah. It's so true. And I even think about, uh, bringing you back to the spiritual essence of it, all the hands that have gone through the fabric, the energy that's going into that fabric, once it's getting to you and your body, yeah, you feel it. Like maybe yeah. you aren't conscious of that feeling. You're wearing that energy. You're wearing the energy of, of this garment that has been through so many different things. Mm-hmm. And in uh, more of a, it's like a stressful environment to begin with. Yeah. And then you're carrying that on and that energy gets transferred into you as well. And that is something that I think nobody really thinks about. No, not at all. And to go back to food, it's the exact same thing. When you think about the food that you put into your body, um, like when you're eating animal-based products, the fear, I mean, the animals know that they're about to be slaughtered most of the time. If you've watched any footage from factory farms, those animals are terrified. They're trying to run away. They know what's going on. They can smell death. There's videos of them crying. It's actually really disturbing um, and unsettling. But think about, even from a scientific perspective, not, not just the energy, but scientifically, those animals are producing so much adrenaline. That's a chemical. And when that chemical mm. processes through your liver, it's toxic. It's just like drinking poison. So your food has that chemical in it because right before that animal has been killed, knowingly, it's going to die. So it's sending all of these chemicals through the body. And then, so and then it's in the flesh. It's like freshly set through the body, through the bloodstream. And then we are consuming this like pain and suffering and just literally chemicals Mm -hmm. that the body sends out, out of fear. Yeah. And that's why, as you were saying, voting with your dollar and where you're putting your money is a huge signal to these bigger corporations or, you know, even smaller stores of like where you're valuing Mm -hmm. that money to be spent and then more of that will be created. Yeah. Exactly. That's why, you know, having a plant-based diet is not just about eating the plants. It's about uh, supporting all the companies that are choosing to create plant-based products for you and putting your money into their pockets to create 
more sustainable and like plant-based yeah. products, and, you know? And the other thing I'd love to add yeah. is uh, making it more accessible because I know mm-hmm. it's an accessibility issue and there are food deserts and not everyone has the money to buy an $8 patty, totally. you know, it's, that's expensive. And, um, I know it's a, it's a privileged thing to be able to eat a whole foods plant-based diet. You know, we're lucky we live in a big city where we have access to this kind of food. Um, but the more that we support these companies and put our money where our ethics are, mm. those companies can grow. And I know a lot of them, like Beyond Meat and um, Impossible, they are trying to get the cost of their food to be less than real meat, mm-hmm. like at a very competitive price, so that it is accessible to all those people. Um, and that's that's the that's the way of the future. Like we can't feed everyone uh, an animal-based diet. There's just not enough space. There's not enough land to grow these animals and raise them or resources, the water, the feed, everything. Like those crops can be grown for human consumption, not animal and then human Mm -hmm. consumption, you know? There's so much to this topic. Yeah, not to mention like (laughs) the environmental uh, impact that it has like that is the main reason why I switched over to a plant-based diet was getting into environmental activism and really like learning about um, what it was doing to our, our planet. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's so many things, deforestation, like uh, you know, the, the like destruction of our waterways and everything like that. But Let's pivot now into um, the alchemy of natural fabrics mm. and yes. what you hope to do in that space. Yes. So, um, I mean, a lot of with fast fashion, a lot of the fabrics tend to be synthetic, and mm-hmm. not even in fast fashion. Even in high fashion, they use they still use chemical dyes because it it is color fast, light fast. It'll last longer. It'll look cooler and better. Um, they can get more, more um, a broader spectrum of color through chemicals. But um, we have to think about, like we said, with the energy of wearing a T-shirt that's been produced in unfavorable conditions, um, what the clothing is made out of is just as important. And I think, you know, you think about uh, other than, I don't know, body care products, what's touching your skin almost 24-7. We are almost always touching fabrics. We're either wearing clothes or we're sleeping in, in cotton sheets, so hopefully cotton or something natural. Uh, we're just almost always touching our bodies are always touching and we're always absorbing what's around us. Mm-hmm. And um, I, think, I think being mindful of what we're putting on our bodies, like what we're dressing our bodies with, is just as important as what we're putting inside of our bodies Mm -hmm. and on top, like going to like skincare and makeup and stuff. It's all of those things matter. Um, and I think, you know, I personally don't want to be wearing synthetics on my clothing, synthetic fabric, polyester is made out of petroleum. I don't think a lot of people uh, realize that. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why if you burn it, it melts and it hardens like a plastic because it is literally a plastic. Um, and you know, one of, one of my biggest things was when I was facing all my hormonal health issues and my gut issues was, 
um, understanding that plastics contain estrogenic properties Mm. that can really alter your hormones. So I got rid of all the plastic stuff in my kitchen and I, I try not to use pack like packaging with plastic. The first reason why it's for my own health selfishly. Um, and you know, there's plastic products that say BPA free. BPA is just one of the hundreds of awful chemicals in plastic. So don't, don't be fooled. They all, they all mess with your hormones and it's in our waterways. It's in our clothing. It's in our skincare. Um, and I think if we're just as mindful as we possibly can be without freaking ourselves out, obviously, and making it like a realistic goal, but I think the more, more clean clothing you can wear on your body, the, mm-hmm. the more um, holistic you can be. It's, it just, mm-hmm. it all goes hand in hand. And, yeah. you know, um, I know it's not as accessible yet, but natural dyes um, are just as important as what the fiber is made out of. And I know a lot of companies don't, again, it's because it's more expensive. It's harder to control the dye that way when it's natural, like different dye batches will turn out a little differently, even if they're using the same ingredients. So I think um, that's what turns a lot of brands off of using natural everything but um that's something i'm exploring right now so and also can help you to get more creative yeah as well yes it's really and it's it's the same as food it's like when i first got dove into making my own food it was exciting because i was met with a challenge you know Mm -hmm. when i i went vegan eight or nine years ago there was no there was no good vegan cheese. I don't even think I remember eating vegan cheese in those days. There was no good alternatives and I just had to be really creative and that was actually really fun. And I made some really amazing dishes that way. And I think it'll be the same, uh, with creating this brand, uh, because I'll have to be, I'll kind of have to work backwards, you know, I'll have design ideas, but then I'll be like, okay, well I can only dye this with natural Mm -hmm. dye and like this clasp or this, this elastic or, you know, there's so much to think about and I kind of have to work at it in a different way, which I think will make it a little more interesting and a different creative process is always nice. And what materials are you most excited (laughs) to work with? I think I know the answer, but I want you to talk about it because you're (laughs) an enthusiast and I want everyone to know about it. (laughs) Hemp. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm a, I'm a hardcore hemp advocate. I, I just know that it can, it can help and help save our planet on so many levels, fashion being one of them, obviously, but there's so much that this amazing, beautiful plant can do. Um, it's, it's a beautiful medicine. It's a very unique food. It has the amino acid profile, just the same as meat, which is very unique in the plant-based world. Um, it could, I mean, if if we grew it at a at a larger scale, we could feed the whole world. It's just so nutritious that you don't have to. I mean, in in countries that don't have access to like highly uh, nutritious food, if they could just add hemp to their diets, it would completely change the health of their their communities. Um, you can build houses with it out of hempcrete. It's like a really amazing um, hemp concrete that they've come up with that's flame retardant. Uh, it floats. It's really light. It's really hard to break. It's not like bricks. It's like really, really, um, it's basically indestructible. It, 
absorbs CO2 over time. And as it does, it hardens and gets even harder as a material. Wow. It's so cool. There's a, there's so a few, I know there's so many things you can make fuel out of it. You can wild because it's like, that's the answer to so many things. Well, yeah. Like, you know, Uh, there's a reason why it became illegal in the fifties because Mm. the oil industry won Mm. that battle. (laughs) Okay. Think about Mm -hmm. everything that the oil industry touches, all the chemicals that have come out of that, the plastics, everything disposable. If hemp won that battle, we would be living in a completely different world today. Wild. But wild. I know. And this is why I'm so passionate about it because it's yeah. such a political thing too. Yeah. And it's really cool that Canada has been legally allowed to grow it since 1998. So we have a little bit of, a, mm-hmm. a little bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're a little ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U S just legalized it this year, 2019, which is pretty wild. It took them that long. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited to see what that will do because I mean, they, you know, they have a way bigger industry and so many, um, activists there that mm-hmm. I think it's just going to really open up the world. Europe. I mean, China has been growing it for thousands and thousands of years. It was never illegal there. So they're kind of the pioneers. Um, The first American flag was made out of hemp. The first pair of Levi's is made out of hemp. One of the uh, the Ford, the T Ford vehicles, was rumored to be made out of hemp, like a hemp bioplastic. Wow. There's so many cool things about it. Um, If anyone's interested, there's this awesome book called Hemp Bound. Highly recommend reading if you're into this kind of thing. But um, yeah, hemp is the future. And Uh, Going back to fashion, hemp fabrics are just so strong. Hemp is so easy to grow. It grows like a weed. It grows in so many different climates. It requires 50% less water than cotton. It doesn't require pesticides because it's so resistant. It's such a strong, strong plant. There's so many beautiful uh, byproducts that are uh, beneficial for everyone. You know, you can use every single part of the plant. It fixes the soil. America is about to fix all of their monocrops and pesticide depleted crops with hemp. Like it's going to, it's going to change everything. That's like the alchemy of nature. Like that's the alchemy of mother nature. Like what we need, we already have in our soils. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can fix it with nature. That's the beautiful thing because nature's already perfect and we shouldn't have messed with it in the beginning. (laughs) Yes. And that's like such a huge basis of the the fashion that you want to create right yeah yeah what is the vision behind your brand and uh the true essence of it oh man I haven't been asked that yet because I haven't really been talking about it but um I think it just comes back to the moral consistency Mm. um you know I don't I don't want I don't want people to like I mean, obviously as a business owner, I want people to buy it up, but I also want people to just shop smart and like really only buy things that they know that they're going to wear and going to wear for a long time and know how they can incorporate a piece for years and think about how they could bring it back down the line, you know, and another beautiful thing about hemp is it's such a strong fiber that, um, you know, in the beginning, it's a little stiffer than what we're used to in cottons and things. But as you wash it, it gets softer and softer. And it's also, I forget, the tensile strength is, um, I might be quoting this wrong, but it's like 10 times stronger than copper. 
<laughs> it's crazy. It's a really, really strong fiber. Um, so the lasting power of hemp is also really helpful. And that's, that's the goal, right? We want clothes that can last mm-hmm. and that will stand the test of time in both style and function because, yeah. you know, that's the whole point of sustainability and like yeah. just choosing pieces that can actually last a long time and that you're not going to throw out in months, you know? And what is the connection to Moldova? Uh, <laughs> yes because that's where you were born yeah and I really believe in um coming into you know a certain uh a certain consciousness mm-hmm. for a reason yeah. like we chose this path for a reason I think that you chose to be born in Moldova for a yes. reason so I want to hear about that connection for you yeah so I didn't um I didn't know this until last year I when I started talking to my family about hemp and my mom specifically and uh you know I'm really passionate about anything that I care about and I usually convince my like convince my whole family to go plant-based and yeah. my mom just opened a plant-based clinic this year I'm so proud of her Um, but yeah, I was, you know, I'm, I've got, I've gotten them on the hemp train. Now they're just like, Ooh, what can we do with hemp? This is so cool. And, uh, but when I started to talk about it at home, my mom was like, Oh, um, Oh, hemp. I don't know what it, what she said it was in Moldavian, but, um, she's like, Oh, I used to grow this with my mom and we would, my grandmother and we would harvest it. And, uh, in, we would put the, the stalks in the river because it's like a redding process where you have to let the you have to let the stalks rot a little bit and then you beat the fiber out and then you use this brushing machine and she's like I used to do all of this with my mom and like my on my dad's side my my grandmother she's like oh we used to drink hemp milk blah 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 and it's just like so in my heritage and I last summer I went to um when I went to Moldova we went to a museum and they had a whole section on people processing hemp and it's, and, and I know that Romania, which is like the neighboring country, it actually used to be part of Moldova. It's just separated now. It's the same people and culture, but, uh, Romania is still one of the, one of the world, uh, suppliers of hemp and they grow a lot of hemp there. Wild. So cool. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. I mean, it's not a coincidence that I'm so passionate about it. And I, you know, I chose, I chose to be born into this life for a reason and it's, it's in my heritage and yeah. I didn't even know it. It's like part of your destiny. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So I was, funny. I was like, um, I listened to something today about destiny and free will mm. and this idea that we have this destiny, but we also have this innate uh, free will and the multiple different, um, I guess like multiple different lives that we can lead, mm-hmm. but it all kind of is all interwoven anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about that? I'm so into that. And okay. I can see how that, even just like how I came back to fashion, yeah. even mm-hmm. through where I thought I was so over it. It's just, mm-hmm. no, it looped me right back in. Yeah. And then I got into hemp thing. And then the, just knowing it's kind of part of my heritage, it's like, no, this is not accidental. And yeah. I, definitely somehow would have come back here anyways, regardless of Mm -hmm. what other things I would have chosen. You know, at one point I wanted to have a restaurant. I wanted to like cook food professionally, but it was just like a series of events that didn't lead me down that path Mm -hmm. and somehow brought me back to something I've 
been wanting to do since I was in grade five. Like I, when I was in grade five, I was sketching outfits and like my mom kept them so sweet. Like I, I knew at such a young age that that's what I wanted to do, but I almost had to go through this initiation Uh, of help. I love that. (laughs) The initiation to put you back on your path. Yeah. And put me like on the right path. Cause like, what if I didn't get into, uh, you know, like all this, just everything, the environment and animals and plant-based diet and whatever, like, what if I didn't do that? What if I was a contributor to fast fashion? Mm -hmm. You know, I had to go through these, yeah, these initiations to really bring it back and like come back and understand. Now I understand why I had to go through all these things. I love that you're initiated into (laughs) this beautiful world again and, and, and bringing your creativity and your passion for the environment um, and using that to create a line or something that other people can really love and at the same time not even know that it's like a super sustainable fabric or whatever but just pieces that people will just love to wear like that's the brilliance of it like you don't even know how freaking cool that one piece is (laughs) that you're wearing but then it starts this dialogue in this conversation which I think is amazing I love that Oh, amazing. I mean, we could go on and on about these topics. <laughs> yeah. um, but there is one thing I want to talk about, which is the biggest misconceptions on climate change. And I think it's important to dive into that and kind of um, dispel some of those misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of a sensitive topic for a lot of people. And I mean, I understand. I've been on both sides of this. You have too. We weren't born vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think not, I think, I know that the biggest impact anyone can make today is to eat less animal products. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying go cold Turkey or go totally vegan or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but even just a few meals a week, you're saving so many resources, Mm -hmm. you know, plastic is one issue, plastic packaging. That's one thing. Um, but if we zoom out and we look at the bigger picture Mm -hmm. and the elephant in the room, a lot of people don't like to talk about this because Mm -hmm. it's almost as bad as talking about religion. You know, it's so personal. Um, and a lot of people are very sensitive about, you know, it's not even about calling people out, but they feel very vulnerable when they're talking about what they eat. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's one of the most ignored topics and I think it's the most important topic. Um, and I know a lot of organizations, they agree, but they stay away from speaking about it because it's too, it just stirs up too many emotions for people and it's, Mm -hmm. they don't want to turn people off, but man, it's the truth. Like we can't, we can't ignore the fact that, you know, one burger takes, uh, the equivalent of what is it like 16 showers of water to produce, because you have to think about, again, you look at the life, the lifeline of how you've gotten that piece of meat on your plate. So the crop has to be grown by farmers, planted, you know, sprayed, watered, whatever, harvested, processed, then fed to the animal. Then, you know, you're raising that animal for however long with however many resources and antibiotics and all these other resources. It's all resources. Yeah. Um, and then it's fed to humans, but you know, we could 
choose at least every now and then to just take the animal out of that equation. And if we're just eating the crops that are being grown, we're saving a huge chunk of resources right there in itself. And that doesn't even scratch the surface of the food waste after the animal products have been (sighs) purchased, you know, and that, that goes into the supply chain and, you know, all the things that have gone into getting that meat to your table. And then so much of it is then wasted and then put into the landfill. And then that's a Mm -hmm. whole other cycle that it has to go through. Um, And it's, it's more expensive. I mean, all, a lot of the animal agriculture is subsidized by the government. Like a piece of meat should cost so much more than a head of broccoli right now or cauliflower or celery, you know, that stuff is so expensive right now because there is no subsidy subsidies on that. Um, and then not to mention the health implications behind that, you know, think of, that's a whole other topic. Maybe I won't get there. (laughs) I won't get into that, but, um, but yeah. Uh, and then, and then think about like all the food that, I mean, I know I said, look at the big picture, but even if we go in and go microscopic on it, Mm -hmm. think of all the packaging that has to go around, uh, you know, packing and transporting meat Mm, and, um, you know, it has to be frozen and refrigerated. It has to be in plastic. There's not really a lot of safe ways to handle meat without that kind of packaging. Whereas, you know, fruits and vegetables don't require that kind of packaging and they don't, not all of, I mean, there are fruits and vegetables that need special transportation, but um, it's the resources are just still so insignificant compared to animal-based products. Yeah, and this is such a could be such an overwhelming topic for most people. Yeah, that could this yeah. could be like a whole other episode. <laughs> um, but it's if okay, anyone, back. yeah, I'm like if anyone's interested, holler. Yeah, and Anna loves talking about this. So if you have some burning questions <laughs> and really sure. wants to dive in, and I love I love a good debate. Like I'm not yeah. um, I don't mm-hmm. like fighting with people, but if anyone just wants to talk about this or just uh, you know challenge any of these topics, I'm more than more than happy to yeah. talk to you about this. Well, yeah, because this is an opportunity to open conversation. Yeah, it's just you a know? conversation. And, you know, sometimes I learn something new from people that are opposing, and that's cool, too. Like yeah. like I said, I'm very open-minded, and I, I always – I still, to this day, question my own thoughts and opinions and choices. How else can we grow if we're not constantly questioning the choices that we make every single day? Yeah. Is that the Libra in you? <laughs> The Libra in me, you know, I'm, it's the polarity. It's like, you have to always see the other side. There's always another story Mm -hmm. and there is validity in both. And, um, I guess that is, (laughs) that is the Libra in me. (laughs) I love that you bring that up because it's such an important thing to note that there are multiple versions of the story. There are so many other aspects of a topic or an issue um that we we can't even begin to understand yeah it could be such a cultural thing like ingrained and things that we don't know that are you know so tethered to the way that you've grown up or living and it is such a sensitive topic but I think the the main thing is just educating and having that conversation get together with your friends and and really dive into these things and don't be afraid to talk about it yeah like I really want I'm not like, I'm never, I'm not here to like fight anyone. I just Mm. like to have these discussions and I'm always open ears. Um, And if I've learned anything in my vegan journey, it's about being open. Yeah. No matter what. And like, 
always listening to what the other person has to say because man, everything is multifaceted. Like, you know, you, even just the topic of, like I mentioned earlier, um, accessibility, not everybody has access and that's, that's a reality that we have to understand. And a lot of people are like, no, but blah, blah, blah. They can eat rice and beans. But like, I, I personally can't eat rice and beans. I'd be destroyed, you know? And there are health implications where some people have so many food intolerances where they do have to supplement, supplement with meat. And that's another reality, you know? Mm-hmm. that's a whole other topic and, yeah. and we always have to be open to those uh those things you know I think it's just there's such a beautiful way that we can just be examples to other people by living yeah by just doing by just being you know people start to see the way that we're we are in our daily lives and how mm-hmm. maybe it's affected us in in a positive way and then they start yeah. to ask the questions and want to know and that's always been my way. I never want to shame anyone into living a certain way. And I mean, my whole family eats meat and I'm around it all the time. It's my, it's ingrained in my culture and I understand it. Like I fully understand why. Um, but it's never about shaming. It's just about me just being who I am and the way that I want to be. And then that kind of like starts a conversation. And I think it's totally a beautiful way. It's the most impressionable thing we can do is to just do our own thing and people are watching cool if they're not that's Mm -hmm. cool too like you go do your own thing but um I did find that I was met with way less resistance and more open minds when I was just kind of doing my own thing and people just would come to me that's the projector thing yeah I waited for the invitation I can't project on people yeah it's never effective it's never well received Mm -hmm. The most impressionable thing you can do is to wait for someone to come to you and then share the wisdom. And it feels so much better that way. It does. (laughs) Um, So I want to go into the end of the podcast with uh, something I like to call cosmic pings. You know, I love the cosmos. Yes. Uh, So I just want you to finish finish these sentences, the pings that you get when you hear this. Okay. Okay. Uh, Your favorite climate activists are? Stevie A. <laughs> yes, we were talking about her earlier. <laughs> She's the best. Yes, I love that. Um, your dream home is? Oh, man. Okay, I'm a Libra. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> I have like 10 dream homes. Yeah. Um, you know what? In a place where I can grow my own food, grow my own dye garden, mm, yes. um, have a studio. I don't know where that is. Probably on the West Coast. No snow would be nice. Maybe a little bit here and there. I don't mind, but camper van to go along with it yep always been a dream (laughs) still still trying for that one (laughs) um mama earth is you Mm. us it's us we are made of her and that's why we should protect her because that's us protecting us i love that uh love is oh same answer though (laughs) good dang yeah, love is us. I think love is okay. I'm gonna take that back. Love is the meaning of life. It's it always comes back to what the meaning of life is, and I think everyone's purpose here is love. Oh, I love that. Your favorite meal to make is oh man, um, wow, that's a really hard one. I don't know why, but pizza came to mind first, like <laughs> like an organic pizza dough made from scratch. Yeah. yeah. The zodiac sign that you love to hang out with the most is, <laughs> and I'm not oh, saying this. It's because you know I'm yeah. going to say Gemini. 
I love my Gemini's. It is. I'm surrounded by so many of you. Um, We are the most compatible matches for each other. We are. I think we're supposed like Libra Gemini match is a soulmate match. It is. So we really get each other. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Intuition is. Hmm, For me is my spleen. And uh, I just, my first answer was spleen. Yeah. But uh I mean, that's not going to make sense to people listening unless they know human design. But for me, that means um, listening to that first voice, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't make sense, and trusting it. Mm -hmm. That's what splenic, I guess, um, well, splenic authority is for projectors. Depends on your human design. But um, just learning how to trust that first initial thing, even though most of the time it doesn't make any sense. It almost always does. So yeah. I love that. And I love you. (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) Thank you for coming. For everyone that wants to know more about you, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Ruby Sun, uh, R-U-B-Y-S-U-N-N. And my website's there too, rubysun.com. But that'll be changing soon as I launch my brand. Um, So just stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned for Immortel. (gasps) Yes. But also, uh, Inetta has these amazing cutlery kits that she sells on her website and also at different markets Mm -hmm. and at different – there's a couple shops in Toronto that Mm -hmm. carry it as well. They're amazing. They're, like, so beautiful and so (laughs) useful. And, like, everyone that gets them is obsessed. So (laughs) you should get yourself a cutlery kit. (laughs) Um, But thank you for coming on the podcast. I love you, my friend. I love you. Thank (laughs) you for having me. This is a pleasure. Yeah.